Do you want victory? You can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder and executive director of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. Daniel chapter 5. This is God's word. King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. While Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem so that the king and his nobles, his wives, and his concubines might drink from them. So they brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, his wives, and his concubines drank from them. As they drank the wine, they praised the gods of gold and silver, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Suddenly, the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. The king watched the hand as it wrote. His face turned pale, and he was so frightened that his knees knocked together and his legs gave way. The king called out for the enchanters, astrologers, and diviners to be brought and said to these wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and tells me what it means will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around his neck, and he will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the writing or tell the king what it meant. So King Belshazzar became even more terrified, and his face grew more pale. His nobles were baffled. The queen, hearing the voices of the king and his nobles, came into the banquet hall. O king, live forever, she said. Don't be alarmed. Don't look so pale. There is a man in your kingdom who has the spirit of the holy gods in him. In the time of your father, he was found to have insight and intelligence and wisdom like that of the gods. King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, I say, appointed him chief of the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners. This man, Daniel, whom the king called Belshazzar, was found to have a keen mind and knowledge and understanding and also the ability to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. Call for Daniel, and he will tell you what the writing means. So Daniel was brought before the king, and the king said to him, Are you Daniel, one of the exiles my father the king brought from Judah? I have heard that the spirit of the gods is in you and that you have insight, intelligence, and outstanding wisdom. The wise men and enchanters were brought before me to read this writing and tell me what it means, but they could not explain it. Now I have heard that you are able to give interpretations and to solve difficult problems. If you can read this writing and tell me what it means, you will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around your neck, and you will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom." Then Daniel answered the king, You may keep your gifts for yourself and give your rewards to someone else. 
Nevertheless, I will read the writing for the king and tell him what it means. O king, the Most High God gave your father Nebuchadnezzar sovereignty and greatness and glory and splendor. Because of the high position he gave him, all the peoples and nations and men of every language dreaded and feared him. Those the king wanted to put to death, he put to death. Those he wanted to spare, he spared. Those he wanted to promote, he promoted. And those he wanted to humble, he humbled. But when his heart became arrogant and hardened with pride, he was deposed from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. He was driven away from people and given the mind of an animal. He lived with the wild donkeys and ate grass like cattle, and his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until he acknowledged that the Most High God is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and sets over them anyone he wishes. But you, his son, O Belshazzar, have not humbled yourself. Though you knew all this, instead you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. You had the goblets from his temple brought to you, and you and your nobles, your wives and your concubines drank wine from them. You praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand, but you did not honor the God who holds in his hand your life and all your ways. Therefore, he sent the hand that wrote the inscription. This is the inscription that was written. Many, many, tekel, parson. This is what these words mean. Many. God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekel. You have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was clothed in purple. A gold chain was placed around his neck, and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain. And Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. May God grant his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. Well, here's a kid. He's not a kid. Here's a man who was descended from royalty, given an exalted position, and he used it to party. He took the resources, the power, the opportunities, the influence, and his focus was on, let's just have a good time. I'm bored. What are we going to do for fun? And of course, one of the big things that a lot of people do in that situation is they drink a lot. And this guy did that. In the NIV, it says he drank with the nobles. In the ESV, it says he drank before the nobles. The idea is not just that they were having a party and he was drinking, but he was champion at drinking. It's like, watch me down this. Here was a guy who knew how to party hardy. He was really a fun guy. But all the fun was going to come to an end on this night. It's amazing how you can go from having the time of your life to the end of your life. It happens all across America every day. People who think they're doing great and all of a sudden 
It's over. It's over. And suddenly, the power, the wealth, the fame, the popularity, the money doesn't mean a thing. Doesn't mean a thing. You really can't take it with you. Every single person on this planet has an expiration date. Okay? The day is coming when you and I will stand before God. And you're either going to be ready or you're not. This guy was not ready. God had warned him through his father or grandfather, the term can mean either, through Nebuchadnezzar, God had warned him against pride, against arrogance, against the failure to truly worship the God who is God. His grandfather or father, Nebuchadnezzar, had experienced seven years of total psychosis. He was so completely divorced from reality, his mind was like that of an animal. And he didn't even live with people. He was a wild man. He was chained. He lived outdoors. He looked like an animal. He acted like an animal for seven years. He lost his position of leadership. And yet at the end of that seven years, God gave him back his sanity. Long enough for him to be able to express to others that it is God who holds the power of life and death. It is God from whom all other rulers derive their authority and power. And his ancestor, Nebuchadnezzar, had very clearly declared that. And Daniel says, this isn't something you didn't know about. You knew all this. You knew what happened to him, and you didn't learn. Not only had you seen what happened to him, but you'd heard his declarative statement, there is one God who rules over all, and he is the one who is to be worshipped. And he is the one who puts people in power. And he is to be served and praised. And don't get arrogant because he knows how to humble you. Now God in his sovereignty had chosen to break and humble Nebuchadnezzar. But Belshazzar was going to have a different kind of experience. Because he wasn't simply going to be broken and humbled. He was going to be killed. And that's what the hand wrote on the wall. But it was written in such a way that he didn't understand it. None of the rulers of his kingdom understood it. None of the nobles understood the word of the Lord. We live in a time that is not so different today. Most people in our land no longer know the scriptures and they certainly don't understand them. A huge number of Preachers, pastors, clergy, tragically, do not know the scriptures, don't understand the scriptures, don't believe the scriptures, don't preach and teach the scriptures, don't live in accordance with the scriptures. The word of God is as mysterious to most people as the handwriting on the wall. But let me tell you something. Whether people understand what God says or not, what has been written, has been written and it doesn't change. 
The meaning doesn't change whether or not you understand it. The meaning is still true. Folks, let me take just a moment to encourage you to go on the internet and visit the website of Wares Valley Ranch. It's a very easy address, just wvr.org. For over 20 years, the ranch has provided a loving home environment for children who have a problem that they did not create. It may be a health crisis on the part of a parent or even the death of a parent. Often, it's the death of a marriage, leaving a single parent who's struggling to care for the children while working one or more jobs in order to provide for their support. Sometimes, it's a parent who struggles with alcohol or drug addiction, or even a case where one or both parents are in prison. But these children are not the problem. They're not delinquents. They're simply caught in a difficult circumstance. I hope you'll help us provide these little ones with the opportunity for hope and healing in a Christ-centered environment. Please visit wvr.org in order to learn more. And in order to help. That's wvr.org. To step out of my comfort zone Into the realm of the unknown Where Jesus is And is holding out his hand When Daniel was summoned to come and explain what it all meant, he'd already heard from God. And so when Belshazzar says to him, if you can interpret this for me, read it to me and tell me what it means. I will give you great reward. Daniel's saying, keep the rewards. You don't have anything you can give me. He knew God. He knew the word of God. He knew that God's word does not change. There are a lot of people today who think that if they don't like what God says, they don't have to go by what God says. If they don't like what's written in the Word, well, then they can just say that doesn't apply to us. But it does. There are people, again, in churches, whole denominations that are voting year after year on whether or not they will still go by what Scripture says. That's insanity. That's as crazy as a guy whose hair is like feathers and who lives out in the grass trying to get something to eat. It is insanity when people think they can set aside the word of God and worship the creation instead of the creator. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And we've got people who aren't so sure about that. That just seems awfully narrow, undemocratic, un-American inconsiderate, unchristian. How in the world can people call themselves Christian and try and redefine the words of Christ so that they won't be offensive to modern man? That's not Christianity. That's not even a good counterfeit. It is absolutely evil. And tragically, tons of people, that's all they know. That's what they grew up in. It's what they've learned. It's what they believed from the time they were small. Christianity basically is about being nice to one another. We give children a watered-down dosage in Sunday school. We start them out early with simple little lessons. Don't tell them about the cross. That could be scary. 
Don't talk about sin, that's a downer. Don't mention hell, that's negative. Just teach them little memory verses like, be kind one to another. Used to be, be ye kind one to another. Hey, that's a perfectly good verse. But it is also completely undoable for an unregenerate person. Okay? And if a kid grows up thinking all I've got to do is be nice and I'm a Christian, then you have made it harder for them to come to know Christ. Let me give you a great verse for little kids to learn. It's a great one to memorize. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If you want to give a preschooler that verse to learn, that's a good one. And gradually they will learn, oh my goodness, even though I'm in a context of love, not everything I do is okay. And mom and dad talk about me as if I need a savior. You know why? You do. We do not become sinners by sinning. We sin because we're sinners. Nobody has to teach us how. It comes naturally. We're bent in that direction. We start out with a fallen nature. And the only hope for any of us is the grace and mercy of God. That's our only hope. If God doesn't save us, we're lost. Well, I, I think the way it works is that God just kind of puts it out there for everybody, you know. And God says, whosoever will may come. God does say, whosoever will may come. That's exactly right. God says, whosoever will may come. And do you know what the universal response of all people everywhere is in our unregenerate state? In our natural unregenerate state, the universal response of man is to say, huh, leave me alone. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to be my own God. I'm going to have it my way. I'm going to do what I want. That's what all of us do. If you want to see the beauty and power of God's saving grace, look at the Apostle Paul when he was Saul of Tarsus. He heard the gospel. He saw and heard the witness of a man named Stephen whose face was shining as he declared the truth of the gospel and called those people to repentance. And Saul wanted him dead because his response to the truth was that of the unregenerate human heart, which according to Scripture is at enmity against God and in its unredeemed state cannot receive the truth of God's Word. Cannot. Doesn't say sometimes won't, some do, some don't. The Bible tells us that apart from God's regenerating grace, we can't get it. We don't see it. Our eyes are blind. The only way that we come to a knowledge of the truth is when God removes the blinder from our eyes. When God takes away the heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh. That's why salvation from first to last is entirely God's doing and he is the one who alone is to be praised because you don't owe him a lot. You owe him everything. 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 Now God in his sovereignty had broken Nebuchadnezzar, but God in his sovereignty was about to destroy Belshazzar. The lesson from this chapter is basically the same lesson that we saw in the previous chapter. And that is, 
no matter how successful you become, you better give praise and glory and honor to God alone. You see, Nebuchadnezzar learned that lesson. Belshazzar did too. Unfortunately for Belshazzar, he learned it right before he died. What will it take for you? What will it take for you to come to the point of humbling yourself and realizing that apart from him, you can do nothing? Every time the gospel's preached in scripture, it involves a call to repentance. And the fact of the matter is, hear me, the fact of the matter is, when you come to Jesus, it's the beginning of real life. Jesus said whoever tries to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. When you come to Jesus and it's the real deal, you lay your life down. Jesus said you've got to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him. And if you don't do that, you're dead. You're dead. You're dead now and you're going to face eternal death. But when you come to Jesus and you say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Save me. Then you discover what abundant life looks like. It's about obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. Doing what he tells you to do. Being what he created you to be. Experiencing joy that is beyond anything this world can offer. Peace that is not based on circumstances, it's based on his presence and his power at work in you. And let me tell you something. I've never in my life met a person who yielded their life to Jesus Christ and regretted it. I've never met a person who said, I wish I'd waited longer to become a Christian. Never. I've talked with thousands and thousands of people, and I'm telling you, I've never met one who said, oh boy, yeah. I gave my life to Christ, did what he said, and wow, was that a mess. Never. But I have talked with thousands of people who have told me, oh, if only I had come sooner. Oh, if only I had known before. Oh, if only I had done what he said. Oh, I'm so glad. But now I know him. Oh, I'm so glad that he forgave my sins. I'm so glad that now everything, everything that was against me is now taken away. And I know that he loves me. Because he does. He loves you. Belshazzar, destroyed. Daniel continues to serve God. Let me just tell you something. When Belshazzar died that night and a new king who was a foreigner took over the kingdom, didn't really change Daniel's position. He was the servant of the Most High God. We're all going to stand before God. Give him praise now. Worship him now. Serve him now. He alone is God. And he is the one who puts in charge in, as kings, as rulers, as mayors, as councilmen. He is the one who puts people in their places of authority. God is the one. That does not in any way absolve us of our responsibility. It does inform our perspective 
so that we will, in obedience to God's word, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, give thanks and praise to God. Folks, it's a great privilege for me to be able to come each evening and bring God's Word on these stations. I am so thankful that I have the opportunity to do that. But if you listen regularly, you know that my life day-to-day is involved in trying to minister to kids who come from very difficult situations. I want to ask you to please help us. Contact us at wvr.org and find out how you can be part of the miracle. wvr.org. Please help us help these children. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. You have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make. I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org. 